With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. And uh, Mike, I, I've got one thing for you right here. Oh, God. Here is your winner and still the reigning Basketball Conference Podcast Real Tech Champions, my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Get it done again somehow Thursday night in Blacksburg. How much of a party was that for you, Mike? I'm dead inside. I am dead inside, Joey. I'm dead inside. I'm sick of hearing about how imposing the Lane Stadium atmosphere is. Sick of Enter Sandman. I'm sick of all the garbage that national media latches onto week after week after week. And I have to instead watch my football program, my football program. I'm calling it my football program. I'm taking ownership of it now. I need to watch it every single week, go into a primetime matchup or God. I have to watch it every other, well, every other week. They seem to be on national TV at night, and every week they fucking lose. They find a way to lose, and I dropped an F-bomb. I'm sorry for those at home. I'm really, really angry about this, Joey. I'm so sick of this. Like, every time they enter a primetime matchup, they find a way to lose. I'm so tired of it. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. They always lose. Um, You can talk about the youth on defense. We'll get into this game, like, with actual detail in a minute, but I can't even put coherent thoughts together. We put a defense on the field is extremely young. Totally get it. It's an offense they've never seen before. Totally get it. But you know what you can't blame on youth? You can't blame trends on youth, Joey. Year one, under Justin Fuente, you give them a little bit of a pass because it's the first year. They go to the ACC championship game, but they find a way to lose to Georgia Tech at home. They lose to Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. They lose to Tennessee after fumbling five times. That's year one under Justin Fuente. Last year, Virginia Tech finds a way to lose to Georgia Tech. They find a way to lose like games they should win, right? They always seem to find a way to blow it. You go to this year, they lose to Old Dominion. They lose to a mediocre Georgia Tech team, one of the worst Georgia Tech teams I've seen in the last few years. Um, find a way to lose that game. And not only lose that game, they get blown out, Joey. Absolutely blown out of the stadium. I don't understand it. And, and this seems to always happen with Justin Fuente coach teams. Like it needs to stop. I'm sick of blaming this thing on youth. This rant brought to you by the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, Mike, let's start there. Georgia Tech 49, Virginia Tech 28. That was on Thursday night. That was something that we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago. It was about Justin Fuente, and, and it seemed like it was this great fit, and they had a pretty good first season and all this stuff. But kind of as you sit there and start to look at it, we're coming towards the end of year three. How much is this working out, you know, and, and what sh- what do we or should we expect, you know, coming out of the Frank Beamer era at Virginia Tech and what he did there and all this stuff? And this is another one of those that it just it feels like Virginia Tech had a pretty big opportunity and badly blew it. I mean, Georgia Tech in this game, 
snaps the ball 79 times, throws one pass, runs for 465 yards and seven touchdowns. Absolutely just, I mean, it was a, it was probably about impossible to sit in the stands and watch this game, especially in the second half as Georgia Tech just ground out this running game. Basically ran this, literally ran the same like five or six plays for almost all of the 70, 78 rushing plays, whatever they had. I mean, this is as as frustrating and disappointing a loss. I've never seen a, a Bud Foster defense so um, so just easily had by such simple means. I mean, I, I texted you, Mike, Thursday night, and it was like this is this is the Georgia Tech team that I thought was going to win eight or nine games. I mean, the offensive line is now healthy. The defense is getting better. They, in this this game, they finally didn't shoot themselves in the foot. And yet, considering all of that, I'm still pretty disappointed from what we got from Virginia Tech on the defensive side of the ball. And it's it's weird to me that Paul Johnson has had has so much success against the same defensive coaching staff since Justin Fuente got there as he did, you know, as compared to that staff before he got there. And I, I just I'm struggling to make sense of it all. Yeah. So now that I had my angry, unprepared rant where I stumbled for, I don't know, about a minute and a half, let me try to put (laughs) some coherent thoughts together about this game. Virginia Tech's defense was atrocious. They were getting blown off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Ricky Walker, terrible game. Jared Hewitt got hurt, which wasn't good. Uh, The linebacking core led by Dax Holifield did not look very good. Um, the, The secondary hasn't tackled all year and they were not going to tackle in this game as predicted. Uh, What I really didn't understand is that there were no adjustments made by Bud Foster at all. Um, And this isn't this isn't anything new. If you're a Virginia Tech fan for as many accolades, and as much praise as Bud Foster gets, this has been the Achilles heel in the past when Virginia Tech's defense hasn't necessarily performed up to standard. It's that, okay, well what they went into the game with and with their game plan isn't working. Now, what do they do? Um, I'll tell you what they don't do. They don't make adjustments on the fly very well. That is troubling to me. Um, Virginia Tech's linebackers and the secondary, uh, say you had a second and four situation, third and five, uh, you know, you, you have a medium yardage situation. You have your linebackers and your safeties playing off the, off the line of scrimmage behind the sticks six, seven, eight yards. So when your defensive line gets blown off the ball, your second line of defense is beyond the first down marker. So Georgia Tech is routinely picking up five, six, seven yards, converting third and medium, converting third and long, which has been a problem for Virginia Tech's defense all year. It's just more amplified against an option offense when you can see them running, I don't know, two, three, four plays to either side of the field, and you're seeing it repeatedly over and over and over again. And there are no adjustments made. You would think that Virginia Tech's linebacking core would play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage so that when the defensive line gets blown off the ball, you're a little bit closer to the point of attack. You just didn't see any of that in this game. And they were perfectly content with getting blown off the ball, having running backs and Tobias Oliver, a quarterback, getting to the second level repeatedly. It was just like the game two years ago, Joey, when Matthew Jordan was playing quarterback. Comes in, Justin Thomas gets hurt, you're starting centers out. Virginia Tech comes into the game heavily favored, more, much more heavily favored than they were in this game, Joey. Uh, mm-hmm. This was much more of a toss-up. But they were more heavily favored two years ago. That was a very similar type of game to watch from the stands. It was, okay, Georgia Tech's running three or four plays. They seem to be working. They're coming at you time and time and time again, and you're not making any adjustments. And Virginia Tech's defense, 
that was a veteran laden group two years ago, Joey. That was a group that was much like the group last year that, you know, those juniors turned to seniors and all those guys are now in the NFL. So I'm not going to blame this game on youth. It seems really easy narrative, like a really easy narrative uh, to portray. And, and a lot of people have been doing that. Oh, they're young. They'll get better. That's fine. But this has been a trend. This has happened time and time again. Not all of Virginia Tech's defenses have been young now, yet they find a way year after year to lose games that they should, probably should have won on paper. They always find a way to lose one or two games a year. And that's why Virginia Tech is an 8-4 and four to 9-3 and three program. Anybody who thinks anything different in the Virginia Tech fan base, completely and totally delusional. We go into the year, Joey. We talked about this with Virginia Tech when we did our season preview. We said, this is a... Eight and four, nine and three, ten and two type program if things fall a certain way. But what we did was we chalked up three losses right off the bat. We said they'd lose to Florida State, they'd lose to Miami, and they'd lose to Notre Dame. That's what we said at the outset of the year. Turns out they beat Florida State, but they found a way to lose to Old Dominion. They've now found a way to lose to Georgia Tech. They've lost to Notre Dame, and they have Miami in a few weeks, and we'll see what happens there. Miami's a mess right now. But we chalked up one or two losses for Virginia Tech that we you know, didn't expect them necessarily to lose on paper, but we knew on the field they'd find a way to lose. And why do we do that? It's because they find a way to do this year after year after year. I'm tired of blaming youth. You can blame the freshmen and sophomores all you want, but hey, look, we're, in the month, we're moving into the month of November, and this defense hasn't improved over the course of the year. They've gotten a lot worse. That's troubling to me because these guys are the guys you're going to ride with now. Next year into year four under Justin Fuente? I don't know. That's that's something that's pretty concerning for me. Um, you know, history tells you that these guys should get better and Virginia Tech's defense should return to form down the road. But hey, the last year of Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech had a really young defense, but they weren't as bad as this defense is. This defense is absolutely atrocious. And look, Virginia Tech's coaching staff should be absolutely embarrassed by what happened on Thursday night. Yeah, we, we talked about this is looking like statistically it's going to be pretty clearly the worst defense that Virginia Tech has had in over a decade. Um, you were talking about some weird scheme stuff Virginia Tech was doing defensively, Mike. And one of the things I, I distinctly remember a moment, I can't remember if it was third and one or fourth and one, where, um, you know, Georgia Tech lines up, they're going to go for it. And Virginia Tech not only doesn't really stack the box any more than they had on any other play, they lined up a defensive tackle like – a yard off of the line of scrimmage. I mean, it was a weird, you know, in, in one of these in short, you know, situations, you're expecting to run up, you know, between the tackles. And that was exactly what Georgia Tech did, except Parker Braun, the left guard, got a running start at the defensive tackle because he was lined up so far off the line. It was really strange. A lot of very odd stuff, Mike. Um, one of the ways that this, this game was oddly reminiscent in a lot of ways of the, the game two years ago that Georgia Tech won in Blacksburg. One of the ways was that, by the way, Taquan Marshall didn't start this game for Georgia Tech. He didn't play in this game for Georgia Tech. Uh, that, that went to Tobias Oliver. Um, so the basically the third string guy back in the spring who became the second string guy when Lucas Johnson goes out with an injury, um, he's, he's had some success running the ball recently. Um, he, he's kind of had a simplified version of the offense, but he's a little bit bigger and comfortable running in traffic and this kind of thing, I think. Um, he gets the start. Taquan Marshall is allegedly available, but not 100%. He had some sort of upper body injury that he was still nursing from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tobias Oliver now might have his own version of soreness or whatever. He goes 40 carries, Mike, for 215 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Jordan Mason joins him with 82 yards and three touchdowns of his own. 
this was in, in one of the biggest oddities of this. So again, Georgia Tech finishes with 465 yards on the ground. Their longest carry went for 16 yards. 16 yards. That that's the longest carry that they had in this game. Um, and, and so it was just one of those just grinded out kind of efforts. Um, Georgia Tech had a game plan. They stuck to it. This game looked like it was going to be a shootout for a little bit. It, it went back and forth quite a bit in the first half. There was a punt uh, that Georgia Tech punted the ball, I believe, on second or third drive here. And it goes off the face mask of a Virginia Tech returner who had not returned a punt all year. And we're starting to understand why. Yep. Um, just a lot of oddities in this game, Mike, and it was it was close and it was kind of looking shootouty there for a while into halftime, and then after the se- in the second half, Georgia Tech's defense gets a couple of stops and has a couple of really long drives, and next thing you know, the game was over. I mean, people were leaving Lane Stadium uh, early in the fourth quarter, I believe That's it was myself, myself included, by the way. Yeah, they uh, Georgia Tech. I tweeted this out. Georgia Tech crossed thirty minutes time of possession in the third quarter. They end up holding the ball for forty-two minutes of this game just totally took the air out of the entire stadium. I mean, this was a uh, – it, it really completely got away from Virginia Tech after a little while. And, Mike, last thing I've got, you made the point Thursday night as well. Virginia Tech having a tough time defending the run here and has had some problems this year. Well, if you thought Georgia Tech's run game was hard to defend, you got Boston College coming in next week. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. So good luck with that because – A.J. Dillon and, and, and then boys just uh, did a number on Miami, and we'll come back to that here in just a minute. But overall, just a uh, a weird game, and Georgia Tech moves to 3-0 and against Virginia Tech under Justin Fuente. Yeah, we'll get into this in the in the, uh, in the preview for Week 10, so I'll, I'll reserve a lot of my thoughts on the Virginia Tech-Boston College game for that, obviously. But I, I'm already starting to see on Twitter, well, you know, Boston College runs a more simplified scheme and doesn't pose as many problems. Uh, look, there was nothing about the scheme of Georgia Tech that was like extremely troubling for Virginia Tech scheme wise. It was you were just getting blown off the ball and that's not going to change against a bigger, more imposing offensive line next week. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not scheme related at all. This is you got out physical to the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's that's my take on it from watching it from the stands, rewatching it on TV uh, the, the last couple of days. This isn't a situation where oh, it was Georgia Tech's complicated scheme that got Virginia Tech, and, and that's why they couldn't make tackles in the open field or their defensive line just got absolutely mauled at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Boston College's offensive line's better, by the way, and they have a better running back in the backfield in A.J. Dillon than most teams have across the country. Forget the ACC. And he's coming to Blacksburg next week, and that could pose a problem for Virginia Tech. One other thing I'm also seeing on social media is, Oh, well, if we get Virginia Tech's version of Scott Leffler instead of BC's, you know, we've made jokes about this on this podcast numerous times. If we get Virginia Tech's version of Scott Leffler versus Boston College's version of Scott Leffler, the Hokies will win this football game. I completely disagree because the Hokies can't defend the pass either, by the way. So if Boston College decides to get pass happy with Anthony Brown, uh, that might not matter because Virginia Tech's secondary can't cover anybody right now. So... I'll reserve the rest of my thoughts on the BC game for later in the week when we preview it, but I have some concerns about Virginia Tech's defense even more so than I did coming into this weekend, Joey, against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech 49, Virginia Tech 28. Let's move on, Mike. We've got a lot of ground to cover here. Number two, Clemson 59, Florida State 10. Goodness, this is the worst loss Florida State's ever had at home. It looks like it's going to be close for about a quarter, and then Clemson hits the gas and absolutely boat races Florida State through a lot of this game, Mike. 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence seems like he might be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, my preseason conference player of the year, Travis Etienne, only had 45 yards rushing, Joey. And hmm. they still scored 59 points. Um, Is that so, good? <laughs> so, Florida State. Um, how's that offensive line holding up? Florida State ends this game with 21 yards rushing Ooh. in the other direction. <laughs> Whoops. Minus 21 yards, including minus 16 from DeAndre Francois and minus 25 from the team on a couple of weird, like, snaps over the head and that kind of thing. So... And uh, they're dead, Joey. Yeah. This is... this. Is, Florida State is who we thought they were, Mike, to channel my inner Denny Erickson. Uh, yes. They are who we thought they were. Yes. Um... Yeah. Do you have anything else on this? Clemson seems pretty good. They are in absolute war machine mode, Mike. That that yeah. is there is no no two ways about it. Um, Clemson. By the way, Christian Wilkins had a rushing touchdown in this game. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Um, I did. Yeah. Uh, Piesman Trophy candidate for sure. Absolutely. Started seeing like he was uh he was a little bit feeling left out and wanted to show that uh, anything you can do, I can do better. Travis Etienne. He's uh. Takes a handoff one yard and leaps over the pile and scores because nobody yeah. wants to get in the way of that. Yeah, and Christian Wilkins has wanted to play quarterback for a while, so um, mm-hmm. he'll settle for running back. Man, Clemson. So the end of the first quarter, this game is you know it's scoreless. It's tied at zero. Clemson leads twenty-eight nothing at halftime, so they score twenty-eight points unanswered in the sec- in the second quarter. From there, Florida State manages a field goal like. Five minutes left in the third quarter. By that point, they're down, what was it, 45 to nothing? I mean, Clemson, once they woke up and, and kind of hit the gas, I mean, this thing got out of hand in a hurry. Um, these teams aren't what we thought they were. And Clemson at this point, Mike, is is very, very clearly the best team in the ACC. I agree. Big question now, who's the second best team? And we're going to have to try to figure that out as we go through here because I don't, I don't know – and it's very much up for debate, and I don't think anybody's really even in the neighborhood of, of where Clemson is at this point. I agree, and uh, this conference overall, I think, pretty much sucks this year. But I have one question for you, Joey. Yes, sir. Uh, did Clemson cover? Uh, yeah, Clemson covered. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Because Florida State's not going to let anybody cover 17 going into Doak Campbell. They got a good defense. They started to wake up a little bit on offense. No, no, no. leave it alone. Clemson minus nope. anything. We Mike, told you, you mentioned – yeah, you mentioned that Clemson is playing Louisville next week and is a 37-point favorite or something obscene like that. Lay the points. They are. Lay those points. Yep. Get in on Lay it now em. before it goes up, I think. Lay them, because Louisville gave up a lot of points to Wake, and we'll get into that momentarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clemson 59, Florida State 10. Let's move on, Mike. Friday night, Boston College, the Dudes 27, Miami 14. Uh, this game was a little higher scoring in the first half. It was 17-14 at halftime, and then Boston College just put down the clamps in the second half. Uh, they had some good plays in this game, some some trick some trickeration that was kind of fun. Uh, A.J. Dillon, 32 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Boston College straight up outplayed Miami in this game. Uh, and if you look at it, Mike, first of all, there was some, there was some uh, quarterback controversy in this, we'll say. Uh, Malik Rozier gets the start. He looks not great. Nikosi Perry does not come on the field. There's there's some rumors about him maybe being suspended or something like that. But, Mike, if you take a step back and you look, 
Miami at the uh, you know going into Thanksgiving weekend of last year, they were ten and zero. The time since they're five and six. Yep, that's not great. Yeah, most of the fan base wishes that Mark Richt was suspended. That's, uh, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, Joey. That's um, kind of where we're at. Mark Richt and his inability to pick quarterbacks seems like a fireable offense, Joey. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at with this. I'm not sure Mark Richt should be the coach at Miami anymore. And that might seem absurd. That might be a hot take. Um, Don't think it's a hot take, Joey. They were just okay in year one. Last year, I get that they won 10 games and went to an Orange Bowl. They lucked out of those 10 wins. They probably lucked themselves into at least three or four of them. You could have easily seen them be eight and four last year, conservatively speaking. Uh, They lose to Pittsburgh the day after Thanksgiving last year. They get blown out of the ACC championship game and they get blown out of the Orange Bowl. By the way, bona fide home game because they were playing in the Orange Bowl in Miami, uh, you know, where they play all their home games. Uh, since then, it hasn't been good. Like you mentioned, when they started 10 and 0, they have five wins since then and six losses. They have looked absolutely anemic on offense this year. I get that they lost Amon Richards, but you still haven't figured out how to play quarterback. And that is the issue. Um, and it's not like they don't have options. They have a couple highly touted recruits sitting on the sidelines, not getting any playing time. Yet Malik Rozier continues to get the nod under center. I don't understand it. Many members of their fan base do not understand it. And when you ask Mark Richt about it, he says, oh, Malik deserves to start. Uh, Joey, one question for you. Why? Based on what? And that question is? Uh, why does he get to start? Why is he deserving to start? Why is he the guy? Like, Mike, there are other he, options. He's the senior. He's the senior. Oh, he's experienced. He's he's Mark Rick's guy. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. You gotta you gotta have faith in him. You gotta trust him, right? Oh man, <laughs> this is very bad. Uh, real quick on the Boston College side of the coin, uh, AJ Dillon, welcome back. Yeah, he looked good. Looked real good. Looked healthy. Looked healthy. Mm -hmm. He did. Yeah, he looked really good. Uh, I thought Anthony Brown, all things told, looked pretty good. His numbers didn't look particularly great, but, I mean, he made some throws, and and Boston College came out in the first half of this game throwing the ball. Uh, I was getting really nervous. I had the uh, under 50 and a half as my pick of the week, and I I ended up actually, you know, getting some action in on it at like 49 and a half. And, man, I thought thought this was going to go past that number, and – it did not after the second half, but um, Anthony Brown throwing the ball down the field. And, and I mean, this Boston college offense looked pretty good. All things told um, I'm starting to question, I guess, how good Miami's defense is to some Same. degree. Same. I mean, I don't know. Miami, what is Miami doing right now? Like this is a team that should be pretty clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the division. They've now lost two straight conference games to Virginia and Boston College both on the road I mean this is not the Miami team I was signing up for Mike this is not I I don't know what's going on there you might be right it might be time for a change which is a bizarre thing to say because again we mentioned this before we came on here barely a year ago maybe not even quite a year ago you look at the Miami fan base we're having a lot of conversations about the UB and back 
And again, they were 10-0 and they were rolling, playing with swagger, and they got the turnover chain and blah, 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 blah. And now, like a year later, if if not, if if even that, they're almost ready to see a change. I mean, and that's that is bizarrely fast. Like I, I kind of see what what happened to some degree, but if nothing else, maybe you got to realize when that team last year was a little bit lucky in a lot of ways. Uh, and now you're kind of seeing some of that luck regress to the mean and, and kind of see this team for what it is at this point. Yep. And they were just kind of average in year one. But again, you give them a pass year two, um, lucked their way into some wins and then got exposed late in the year. And year three, they like you said, the luck kind of regresses back to the mean and they look like a seven or eight win football team, which is not what Miami signed up for. Miami had that with Al Golden. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I, I get that recruiting has come back a little bit. And and Al Golden was a decent recruiter and, ha- and had some decent recruiting classes. And Mark Richt is recruiting relatively well at Miami. Uh, but the product on the field is not very good. And a lot of it has to do with the quarterback position and it hasn't gotten any better. And, you know, Mark Rick seems unwilling to change that, right? He did momentarily for Nikosi Perry, but at the first sound of, tr- at the first sign of trouble, he pulled him. And now you're sitting here wondering why 12 is once again, the guy. And, um, it- it's a different situation than somewhere like Virginia tech, right? Like we're talking about, Fuente and, and how things have you know kind of taken a turn this year but he lost his entire defense from last year right like Miami didn't and Miami returned most of their production on both sides of the ball yet they look a lot worse than they did last year and I get you lost him on Richards but like the core of your team remains the same on both sides of football and they have really really regressed with essentially the same talent which is a completely different situation uh and Mark Rick's unwillingness to switch quarterbacks is really, really bizarre and something you have to look at, at least from an outsider's perspective and wonder, like, if he's really, really dead set on playing a guy who is a 55 percent passer, like, <laughs> and this is these are the decisions he's going to make. Like, what if he's under the gun with an 11 and 0, 12 and 0 Miami team playing in a college football playoff? Like, uh, <laughs> it makes you it makes you wonder if he's going to make the right decisions when it matters most. You want another fun thought here, Mike? Miami this year playing away from home against Power 5 competition. 0-3 have not yet scored 20 points in a game. Mm. They have two of those games remaining. Do you know who they're against? Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, Joey. They sure are. Here in a couple of weeks, they're on the road, back-to-back weeks, at Georgia Tech, at Virginia Tech. We're going to come back to the, the situation in the ACC Coastal, but... Here's last question before we move on. Boston College, Miami. Is one of these teams the second best team in the ACC? One of them is, and it's not who you think it is. It's not Miami. <laughs> it's not Miami. It's not Miami. I, I will hear, I will absolutely hear arguments that it is not Boston College either. I, right. I'll, I'll leave that hey. there. I'll leave that there. Complete, completely open to whoever you want to be the second best team. I saw a tweet today that said the second best team in the ACC was Clemson's backups, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm cool with that too. Uh, yep. No, no reason to think otherwise at this point. It's been crazy so far. Um, everything's upside down. Yeah. Shout out Ben Tankersley over at uh, from the Rumble seat on that one. That was a uh, that was a good call. You're absolutely right. Boston College 27, Miami 14. Let's move on. Syracuse 51, number 22, NC State 41. And Mike, if you are looking for a um, a smut film on 
Oh God. Getting getting your secondary burned and downfield passing. Boy, do I have a game for you. Oh, yes, you do. Goodness yes, gracious. These two teams combined for like 1,100 yards of offense, of which I, I think over 950 passing yards. Ryan Finley goes for 473. Eric Dungey goes for 411 through the air. This game was just a, a back-and-forth shootout. This looks like a Big 12 game, Mike, being played in the Carrier Dome, but there were just downfield passes left and right, secondaries getting burned. Uh, ultimately, Syracuse pulls out the win late. Uh, but, I mean, this was a an offensive explosion of a game. Seems like Syracuse might not be dead yet. Uh, Syracuse isn't dead. In fact, now they're in the top 25. Uh, you and I were saying they were trending in the wrong direction. Uh, we thought they were. I mean, they were uh, right for a minute. Yeah. By the way, Eric Dunchy still the starter, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, still the starter. And uh, pretty remarkable that he turned this around in one week after looking relatively incompetent in a week ago to now going out and essentially blowing NC State off the field by himself. Um, welcome back, Eric Dunchy. Uh, you know. <laughs> glad you're still glad you're still here uh, that was yeah that was something um Syracuse's offense wow I mean we're getting to a point now with Dino Babers where I'm like okay well maybe you don't have it all together and then a week later I'm like oh man well your offense is still good at least mm-hmm. and hey the defense didn't look too too terrible I mean Ryan Finley had his way through all over him but hey they came up with a big interception late ended up being the difference in the ball game and They were opportunistic on Saturday at the very least, which, I mean, if you're going to be a bad defense, at least be opportunistic and make some plays, at least make it exciting, right? And if you have an offense that scores 40 to 50 points a game, Joey, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And that's what we have with Syracuse. Once again, even though we thought it was trending one direction, it's actually trending the other, and Syracuse is back in the top 25. Not sure how long it'll stay that way, but hey, uh, enjoy it while you have it, Orange fans, because uh, it's been a while, and at the very least, you're still an exciting football program. This game was bizarre, Mike. These these two teams combined for 152 offensive plays in this game, right? Which pace-wise is not not blowing the doors off anybody, right? That's that's pretty uh, you know, it's it's quick, but it's not like again, Big 12, Baylor, Oregon quick, right? Every time these two teams snap the ball, they average 7.25 yards per play. Over the course of a game, that is absurd. Absurd. Uh- yeah, I mean they're they're basically making their way three quarters of the way to a first down every single snap. Which yeah, I mean I hope you like offense because we had a lot of it. Boy, did we have a game for you! Only one turnover, and that was the one that really ended the game. Ryan Finley under duress. They're down uh, down three late, trying to make a comeback, and uh, Ryan Finley under pressure and, and kind of flips the ball out and gets picked off shortly thereafter. Syracuse turns that into a touchdown, and the game was over. Uh, yeah, just a, a super fun and bizarre game here in the Carrier Dome, Mike. I don't know what we expected. Syracuse 51, NC State 41. And like you said, Syracuse now ranked, NC State now unranked after uh, two straight losses here. And, Mike, I ask you, are either of these two teams the second-best team in the ACC? Uh, not NC State. Yeah, probably not. 
two weeks ago, funny. we probably said would have said they would. Would be. I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say it's pretty funny too because now we're getting to the point where we're like uh, Boston College, notwithstanding, by the way, because they had a chance to be a second best team in the ACC uh, coming mm-hmm. into the year. But we're coming to a point in the year where we're like, oh man, there was one team who we thought could be like pretty good that's actually not good, and there's one team who we didn't think would be very good that actually is good, and that's where we're at in both divisions. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Let's move on. Virginia 31, North Carolina 21. North Carolina damn near had the cover, Mike, and then they didn't. And then they didn't, and that's one of my few losses on Saturday in the old wallets. Um, Mm -hmm. North Carolina, they tried real hard, um, but they could not defend Bryce Perkins, Joey. No, no, they could not. Bryce Perkins, 18-27 for 217, three touchdowns and a pick. Also, 21 carries for 112 yards on the ground and a touchdown. There's a dual threat quarterback, Joey. Yeah, that's what they call him. Uh, yeah, Virginia just keeps getting it done. And it's it's a little bit of like a – hmm. So there there are folks out there, shout out Solid Verbal, that refer to like Alabama as the crockpot. Virginia's like a low-powered crockpot. Like they are. They, they kind of just slowly move their way through a game. They're going to come up with about 30 points in a lot of these games – they're going to hold you down, and it's just slowly going to build this lead. But I don't know if they could really, like, fully cook, like, a brisket or, like, a, a big roast. Like, it's it's got to be, like, some chicken breasts or something like that that's a lot, like, smaller to actually function. I don't think Virginia could do this to some particularly good teams. Don't don't forget, Mike, this is a team that lost by two touchdowns to NC State and lost to Indiana earlier right. this year. Right. They have since, you know, they've been winning these games, but – Tell all right, let's let's play this game. Who is Virginia's best win? Richmond, Ohio, Louisville, Miami, at Duke, UNC. I believe it's Miami. I believe it's Miami. Yeah, I uh, guess. Could, be Duke, could be Duke. I mean, if you're still into that sort of thing, I'm not. <laughs> but yeah. if that if that's for you, that's cool. Um I don't know. Not a lot of quality wins in there. You were talking about how they might not be able to do this against like good teams lucky for mm-hmm. them they don't play many good teams left that was that was my next thought was like you could basically do that exercise with any team in the acc coastal and you're probably getting the same result at this point like right basically none of them are any good so none of them really have like a reputable win is what it is i guess yep fair enough north carolina again good effort but not quite enough and you just wonder. I, I'm I'm really curious to see if Larry Fedora keeps his job after this year. It it Me feels too. like this is going in one direction and one direction only. Me too. But it feels like they're still playing hard for him, which mm-hmm. is another thing. Like they're playing hard week to week. They're not getting blown out of games. Granted, they're not playing very very many good teams right now, but they're not getting blown out of the stadium. And they seem to be trying really hard. And like Nathan Elliott's not great, but like he made some plays in the passing game against Virginia. Like I I don't know. Like it's. I, I don't think Fedora keeps his job for the record. Like, I don't think he does. I just think his time's run out. And I, I think he's a fine coach. I think he's just his time's run its course at North Carolina. And I think they're, mm-hmm. they'll both be ready for a change. Right. Um, yeah. With that being said, with, with that being said, like the players are still playing hard for him. I don't think it's a situation where they've completely quit on him. Like Louisville has quit on Bobby Petrino, which mm-hmm. two completely different situations with two coaches who I believe will not have a job at the end of the year. Yeah. I think that's fair. By the way, Mike, North Carolina hosts Georgia Tech next week. North Carolina is 100% going to win that game. 
hundred yeah, percent, hundred, hundred percent, and I'll I'll bet the house on it too because that's just the way things have gone this year, and that's how Georgia Tech's gone this year. And mm-hmm. North Carolina, North Carolina is like really due for a win, and mm-hmm. they've been in a lot of pretty tight games recently. So I'm waiting for that as well. Yeah, they've been playing a lot of games on the road too. Three of their last four on the road. The home game was a damn near win against Virginia Tech yep. a few weeks ago. But yeah, it's it's gonna happen. Just just be ready for that. Pitt, uh, or excuse me, Virginia 31, North Carolina 21. Let's talk about Pittsburgh 54, Duke 45. Speaking of shootouts, my goodness gracious. Told you. I told you so. What was this game? You, this You want to watch schmutt films about downfield passing and your, your secondary getting beat. That was the NC State-Syracuse game. This game was a schmutt film about poor angles and tackling because everything turned into a long play in this game. Not because guys were just out of position, but because they played everything really poorly and nobody can tackle from either of these two defenses in this game. I don't know what the hell happened here. Just like in the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game, Joey, I hope you took the over. Yeah, no kidding. 99 um, total points. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the over-under is. I can't remember, but I guarantee you it was not 98 and a half. <laughs> so, probably less than that, yeah. Yes, probably less than that, so I hope you took the over. You weren't um, really sweating this one. Yeah, we're not sweating this one. Nor were you sweating the Virginia Tech Georgia game. Georgia Tech game that went over with like eight minutes to go in the third quarter. Um, mm-hmm. This was really, really, really entertaining, and entertaining from the standpoint of neither defense could tackle, and each offense just found new and exciting ways to score every time they had the ball. So, I hope you love offense, and I hope you love really bad defense, because boy, oh boy, Joey, like we said earlier, do we have a game for you? Um, Hey, also, I picked Pitt to win this game. So, hey, told you so. But I didn't I didn't, <laughs> didn't know why. I just said, hey, I don't trust Duke. Still don't trust Duke, by the way. They suck. Pitt also sucks. Pitt is a bad football team. They somehow score 54 points. I don't know. Pitt's a bad football team. It's four and four, and I have not yet made peace with that fact. I know. Like, they're just less, they're less bad than everybody else. And, like, Virginia is really less bad than everybody else. And that's the coastal right now. Pitt has a couple of really stupid wins, by the way. I mean, you could basically call this kind of a stupid win. You could call Syracuse a stupid win. You could call Georgia Tech a stupid win. Like, this Pitt team, their record is way better than they should be in a lot of ways. And this it's it's really starting to bother me, frankly. Yep. It's... uh... It's frustrating because I, uh, they're not very good and they're still finding ways to win. And Duke, who everybody thought was good, is... You know, they continue to find ways to lose. So that's yeah. where we're at. That is where we are at. Kenny Pickett, I, I'm trying to think of – I had a great comparison for him as I was thinking about this this morning, but I don't – I can't remember what it was. But Kenny Pickett is a poor man's version of some quarterback. And I'm trying to I'll, – I'll think about who it is, and I'll let you know if I come up with it. But he's – it's like in a lot of ways his value is he's going to hit some deep balls and he's going to run around and he's kind of athletic – but he's not like a particularly accurate or efficient passer, and you can't really build an offense around him, it feels like. So I, I got to think about what this comparison is. It, he, In some ways, he should be like an option type of quarterback maybe. Right. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to think about that. Let's definitely, keep moving. De- definitely can't throw. So that's where we're at. I mean, he's not really threatening anybody with his arm, at least. But again, when you when you can throw a little hitch route and your receiver can break a tackle and then the defense takes horrible angles, next thing you know, he's gone. Yeah, it looks great that you had a 50 yard, you know, 50 passing yards on that one play. But you threw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. You know, like you're, yep. you're getting credit where credit is not due. So right. there's Correct. that. 
anyways, Pitt 54, Duke 45. Speaking of shootouts, and Mike, speaking of shootouts, Wake Forest 56, Louisville 35. The Cardinals have 100% quit on Bobby Petrino and Brian Van Gorder. Uh, Wake Forest made an absolute mess of Louisville in this game. The, the defense doesn't care. The offense is kind of in it for themselves. There's all sorts of crazy tweets going around about players. You know, A, there's all the legal stuff, but B, players complaining about the fans and some stuff. Louisville is a certified tire fire right now. I'm like, yeah, that's about all I have from this game is that like Wake Forest has had a lot of trouble scoring the last few weeks and did not have any trouble on Saturday because, good Lord, you and I could score on a Brian Van Gorder defense at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisville has absolutely quit on Bobby Petrino and Wake Forest. What do you know? They're still playing hard for Dave Clawson, just like you and I predicted. Mm-hmm. We told you so. That's all mm-hmm. I'll say. Well, t- we told you so. Um, don't have a lot to add from this game. I didn't watch a lot of this either. Um, I I did have an eye on it. I did not. I'm not even going to pretend like I watched a lot of this game. It doesn't seem like I missed a whole lot. I watched a good bit of the first half having a financial interest in it. And let's just say that the financial interest paid off. Yes. Um, by the way, Mike, I'm, I'm going to throw out there. Best thing about this game, Matt Colburn. Oh, 20, yeah. 20 carries, 243 yards and three touchdowns at oh, Papa yeah. John's Cardinal Stadium. And that's a significant fact, Mike. Yes, because once is. upon a time. Once upon a time, Matt Colburn was committed to Louisville, and then the coaching staff pulled his scholarship shortly before signing day. So for him to come back to Cardinal Stadium and absolutely just run rampant on Louisville had to feel good for him. Yeah. The other the other thought that I had, Mike, while watching this game is we do not talk enough on this podcast about uh, about Greg Dorch. We really do not. We don't, and we really need to, and we need to do a whole heck of a lot better job than we do. Mm-hmm. He is a hell of a ball player. He's a lot of fun to watch. So recommend going to watch Greg Dorch to get the chance. Mike, that's all we got. Uh, you want to hand out a couple of awards? We need to. The Go ACC moment of the week happened Friday night, and it was uh, it was a, it was a good one. It held up through the rest of the weekend. So. Miami got the ball kind of on their own end of the field and Malik Rozier, as he's known to do, winds up to pass. And then that pass gets tipped and then it gets tipped again and then it gets tipped again and tipped again and tipped again. And before you know it, six different players have touched the ball before uh, Boston College comes down with the interception. That is a hell of a tip drill, Mike. Did you see that play when it happened? I did. I saw the play when it happened. It was more of an adventure than it is usually for a Malik Rozier pass. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's saying something that's that's not a high that's not a low bar to clear <laughs> it's definitely not a low bar to clear but hey found a way um yeah hey bc comes away with a turnover but i mean seeing that on paper in a drive chart is a lot different than seeing it play out in real time <laughs> because that was an unbelievable play in that football game it's absolutely right and that was again a lot of things about that a w- weird game yeah mike do you want to hand out the brian van gorder memorial you tried award to uh the hokey defense I think I should. Uh, yeah, going to give the Brian Van Gorder you tried award to Virginia Tech defense, giving up well clear of 460 yards rushing. Uh, gave up zero passing yards. Hey, so that really plays well for your right spot. Yeah, that, that's that's good for your uh, defensive statistics against the pass. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much against the run, though, Joey. And uh, uh, Brian Van Gorder you tried award goes to Bud Foster as well for not making any adjustments because that seems to be a thing now too. Also goes to Justin Fuente for continuously finding a way to lose to teams that he should beat in his first three years in Blacksburg. Um, by the way, he struggled against rushing offenses at Memphis as well. They found a way to lose to Navy with a pretty good Memphis team a couple years ago. So let's do this thing. That's right. Let's do that hockey, Mike. Dumpster fire of the week. And 
I, I have a bad feeling that this is kind of a uh, an item from the Department of Redundancy Department. Uh, just how about the entire Atlantic, the entire Coastal Division? How about that? The Atlantic Coast Conference Coastal Division. You yep. won the dumpster fire of the week because goodness gracious, I don't think there's a single particularly good team in this whole division. Yep, I completely agree. Coastal is an absolute tire fire, dumpster fire, however you want to characterize it for purposes of this award. It's a dumpster fire, Joey, and I'm not sure who the best team in the Coastal is. Right now, it's Virginia. Um, I can't believe it, but it is. It's Virginia mm -hmm. right now, at least in the standings, and we'll see how that holds up here over the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm going to look up – give me just a second. I'm going to look up the uh, updated S&P Plus rankings from Bill Connolly. Virginia currently leading the Coastal Division – at number 48 overall in the S&P Plus rankings. Yep. Barely a top 50 team, and they have the lead in the Coastal Division. What does that tell you? Well, Joey, we've talked about this a little bit, but let's play this fun game called, hey, what is Clemson going to be favored by in the ACC Championship game? We don't even have to talk about opponent. Let's just say, what are they going to be favored by? Uh, do you want to play this like over-under style? We could. Let's do this. Let's do over-under 22 and a half. Uh, I'm gonna go over. I was thinking 24, so I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna take the point and a half there. <laughs> and that's where and that's where we're at. So. And I would bet Clemson to cover that. I would too. Uh, Clemson minus anything. They are war machine. Clemson, which is bad news for everybody in the ACC. Clemson minus anything is a hard principle at this point. I don't care how sick to your stomach you're gonna be laying 37 points next week against Louisville. Just do it. Just do. It. Louisville doesn't want any part of that game, Mike. None. No, it could be it could be thirty five nothing at the half. Um, yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing I've seen out of the Louisville offense that suggests they'll even backdoor cover. Have you seen enough out of Chase Bryce and the second string Clemson offense to think they're going to keep scoring? I mean, Florida State scored ten against Clemson, and the last touchdown came with like no time left. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's yeah. I mean, Florida State can't score. Louisville certainly can't score. Man. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, yeah, Florida State needed a kind of a fluke uh, occurrence to beat Louisville about a month ago. But I'm thinking this is going to be worse than 59 to 10. And this is a home yep. game for Clemson, too. So, yep. goodness. And to answer your question that you just posed a minute or two ago, uh, Chase Bryce can definitely put points still on the board. I mean, he did it yesterday. They can just pour it on. That's their thing. 100%. Mike, that's all I got. Uh, we finished the week at three and four on our picks, each of us do. Um, there were a couple of different ones that you and I had different sides of that either one of us, you know, we, we kind of split those. I got my pick of the week right at Miami Boston College under 50 and a half. Yours was NC State minus two and a half. That did not hit. Um, and so on the year, I'm 32, 31 and one. You are 31, 32 and one. And our picks of the week are both four and five on the year. So it's it's been a great year trying to diagnose what the hell is going on in the ACC. Yep. And it'll continue that way for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. Well, certainly week 10 can't be any uh, any less confusing, right? Uh, absolutely not. Looking forward to previewing it with you, Joey. Yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to come back and preview week 10 because, again, things can't get any weirder than they've already gotten. Famous last words. In the right. meantime, you guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. 
Thank you. I'm still waiting on the email from Andrew Parker or anybody else to just keep the lights on an email account. They're, they're about to shut us down. So uh, we need to have that. So please hit us up if you got something. Yep. Uh, Mike, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, all those places that you just mentioned, Joey. Absolutely. Please do that. We would very much appreciate it. And we appreciate those who have. Uh, please share us with your friends. We uh, we know you've got some friends out there that like Georgia Tech football or Virginia Tech football or uh, Syracuse football or NC State football or Duke football. Not, not that one. Probably not uh, Duke. But Miami football or any of that. So please share us with those folks so that we can uh, spread the love and grow the basketball conference family here. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. You got any uh, anything else? I don't. Um, pray for the Coastal. Pray for the Coastal. Twitter thoughts and prayers to the ACC Coastal Division. Yep. Goodness. Yeah, we're going to come back and preview for Week 10. Uh, we got one game Friday night. Other than that, all of it's on Saturday. So we'll be here later this week talking about those games. Uh, Mike, you want to come back and preview those when the time comes? I do, man. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.